This is the Transformation Bros Podcast. Here are your hosts, Jason and Nathan. Hey guys, welcome to episode number nine. I hope your week is going great and you're getting everything that you wanted this week. Today we're going to talk about, well basically I haven't been exercising, I just want to own up to that straight away. Unbelievable. Yeah. Oh hi Nathan, you're here too. Hi, yeah, yeah, I'm participating. Yeah, so um, I like to think of exercise like a diet. (laughs) On again, off again. Yeah. So, yeah, but it's once again, it's the awareness. I'm really aware of how I'm going there. So, and also back into my classes Monday and Wednesday. So, that's going to be helpful. Yeah. Um, you were in a real rhythm there for a while. I was. I was doing great. Mm. I was patting myself on the back all over the place. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah, which we have to do. Yeah. Uh, are you looking to have a transformation in the area of exercise? I think that's a constant process. <laughs> Of transformation mm. and exercise. I like to think, um, I gave up smoking actually, be 10, 17, yeah, 17 or more plus years ago. I smoked for 10 years, but it took me 10 years to give up. And the thing I had in my head is I'm just not a quitter. I'm not going to quit quitting. And I think I bring that into my exercise where I'm like, yep, fell off. Okay. I don't beat myself up anymore. I just write, tomorrow I'll be better. And I find that's really helpful because I can get back on, and another day comes, right? That's a form of transformation. Thankfully. Shifting, because I can hear uh, my perfectionism coming in there, where it's like, if you fall off, fuck it. That's it. It's it's imperfect now. It's soiled. (laughs) This attempt at exercising has been compromised. Yeah, but yet you try again. Yeah, well, that's I've tried to transform in that area too, where it's like... um, and with food and with exercise, 80% is good enough. Yeah. You know, getting it right. So uh, where it used to be literally perfectionism, gosh, that's such a topic, isn't it, for us? It just comes up over and over and again. Mm. And when I say us, I mean me. Um, <laughs> and anyone else that can relate. And anyone else, yeah, all the messages I get after those episodes saying, oh, my God, I'm a perfectionist too. Yeah, I do love that 80% is good enough. That would that transformed my life, literally. Yeah. I could bore you with stories about how that happened, but I won't. But it definitely helps. The other think, um, yep. the other quote I've heard that uh, relates to that is, don't let perfect get in the way of great. Mm. So when we're talking about perfectionism around creativity or work or business or anything we're putting out into the world, don't let perfect hold back great. Uh, example for me, I had a, you know, I'm doing this history course, modern history course at university, and... Uh, a little a little devil that hangs over me, you little devil, uh, is year 12, or one. we used to call it sixth form, or what did you call it in your day? Was it like oh, it was Stone, like, Stone Age yeah. 17? Was it? <laughs> Something like get to school yeah. and shut up. Yeah. Uh, sit down and shut up. Yeah, so year 12 or sixth form English was all based on internal assessment, which means there was no exam. Mm. It was essays all throughout the year. Mm. and old uh, Peter Perfect over here. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote a good exam at the start, got a high mark you know, in, in the first term, and then the second uh, essay, I said exam, I think, I wrote, wrote a good essay. The second essay I wrote, I was just like, this is crap. It's just not good enough. And I didn't hand it in. I had an amazing teacher. He said, oh, where's that essay? I said, oh, I'm still working on it. It's not good enough. He said, well, get it. You know, just put it in anyway so you don't get zero. Mm. I couldn't. Wow. I couldn't. And then not, not only could I not hand that essay in, because the whole process had been 
now imperfect because I hadn't handed the second one in, I never handed in another essay wow. for the rest of the year and failed English. And so that's how deep this pattern runs. Hmm. So I had to write my first essay for modern history at university and it was junk. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not being hard on myself. It was just a, not a great essay oh, wow. that I wrote. What was it about? It was about um, colonization in Samoa, oh, which wow. is really fascinating. I mm. talked to you a little bit about that. Yeah, you did. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, but this essay just wasn't great because it's my first one. I'm not that good at it. And, oh, boy, was it hard to not be hard on myself and to hand it in. Mm. And guess what I got? What mark I got? 20 a solid B minus. That's two thirds. And so that was a huge breakthrough for me to like hand in Mm. an essay, get 67%. But you know what? The little breakthrough was got all this great feedback on it. Um, She explained, she said, this is a great first attempt at an essay. Here's where you lost it. Work on this for your second essay and you'll be off. No problem. Mm. So that was a really big breakthrough for me. Jeez, I'd say. So I know we said 80% was good enough, but in my case... 67. 67's it. Oh, brilliant. That's great. The other thing that helped me too is when I realized, um, what what's the scale of perfection? Like when you hold your hand out left and right, because like, I quite often hear people like, well, I'm not that much of a perfectionist. What do they mean? Where is their hand in that scale? Wow. You know, are they, because I don't think there is, there isn't one. There's no. Well, to, to, to the point, is there such a thing as perfection? How would you know you'd achieved it? That's right. Yeah, I don't think there is. Mm. Someone might say there is. So when someone says, I'm not that much of a perfectionist, does that mean, what do they mean? Does that mean I'm achieving perfection most of the time, but I'm happy to let it it slip on the odd occasion? Which doesn't correlate to perfection, does it? No. Hmm. Because that would mean if I'm not that much of a perfectionist, then 80% is good enough. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. But I think until you put this lens on it, until you, you know, our whole philosophy, if you've been listening from the start, is awareness is the key agent mm. of transformation. Mm. And so the more you can be aware, the more you can notice patterns, the more you can question uh, the unconscious things that you do. That's where transformation lives. We're going to talk about transformation today because some of you might only just be listening in today and not know what the heck these transformation bros the are talking about. Yeah. What does it all mean? Uh, So for me, transformation is, I always like to link it to change. So change, have you ever heard that Einstein quote that says you can't solve a problem in the same consciousness Mm. that created it? Mm. What does he mean? When we're trying to solve a problem in the same consciousness that created it, it means we're trying to improve our exercise regimen in the consciousness of perfection. Mm. So we haven't actually shifted the fact that we're a perfectionist. We're just trying a different, maybe if I try CrossFit, Mm. that might be the thing that gets me fit. And then we have a day where it doesn't go right, perfection kicks in, and we give the whole thing away. Mm. So that would be change, operating in the same consciousness. When Einstein says we have to shift our consciousness to solve a problem, that is where transformation lives, Mm. the shift in consciousness. So... It doesn't matter what the thing is, what the problem is we're looking at. It's the shift in how we're looking at it. It's the the um, the lens, the filter in which we're actually looking through life that we're looking to transform. Yeah, which frees us up. It's not in that restrictive box of that consciousness that we created it in. That's right. Exactly. So now we 
I, in theory, should be freer to try something different? Or are you saying it would be, it would instantly be different? Uh, depends. I think mm. some people report transformation in an instant, mm. in one conversation, one moment. Mm. Uh, but I think for the big, the big ones, the ones that are really gnarly, money, Losing weight, exercise, those require maybe a bit more of a long-term transformation. Mm. Money's a classic one. I'll give you an example. If someone's trying to make more money and they're um, coming from a scarcity mindset, scarcity mindset means there's never enough, um, there's only a certain amount of money to go around, I have to make sure I get my piece of it and then hold on to it because somebody else is always trying to take it. Mm. Or if I have plenty, you have less. Yeah. As opposed to abundance, which means there's enough for everybody. That's right. There's there's plenty to go around. There's mm. an unlimited supply of everything. Mm. Um, if I if I try to make more money in a scarcity mindset, um, it's the, the, even if I get money, I'm still holding on to that money as if I'm going to lose it with a fear. That's yeah. right. And what almost always happens with my clients all my clients have something around money Mm. and when we transform the way they look at money and the filter through which they experience money in the world almost always two things happen the first one money suddenly doesn't become as important anymore Mm. and two they make more money than they have yeah it's ironic Mm. so ironic yeah that's right because um I, i had exactly that I've always actually, I did a course oh, a couple of years ago now um, and I realised I was negatively um, motivated. So I was motivated by the lack of money. Mm. That was really big for me. That I actually got transformation in that moment. Wow. Just knowing that I had a negative, I was negatively motivated. So I would have enough money until I didn't have enough money and then I would motivate myself to get more money. Mm. So, and so then I was like, oh, what's po- positively motivated? Well, what I what I did, how that looked for me was there's enough money. Actually, I can just, as long as I'm working, as long as I'm doing the things I love, um, I've always loved creating money because I think it's an exchange for value, so it's doing the things that I want to do. Like in my early years was just truck driving. I couldn't believe they paid me money to drive around in a truck with my arm out the window, <laughs> stopping at pie shops and coffee and stuff. But yeah, so when I realised the I was transformation and yeah. eating hadn't happened at that point. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Thanks for pointing that out. Well, I don't have as many pies as I used to. I don't think you ever eat pies. I think it's do you? my age. I can't. I might as well just strap them onto my belly like the other stuff I was yeah. talking about in other episodes. But yeah, once I started, uh, once I realised I was, po- I could be positively motivated. I got transformation in that moment. So what? explain what that would look like. So how, how did you not just, in the lens that I talked about where it's like the consciousness changed instead of the actual what you were doing with the money? That's right, because I realized I can create money, but when I'm negatively motivated, I'll get lazy or I'll stop doing or creating until I have to be motivated again. Mm. So... I realized I could just keep doing what it is that I love doing to create money. I didn't have to wait. Mm. I didn't have to have that trigger or that point where I needed to do something to get more money. Sounds I really guess, I guess in obvious. that context too, 
making money would be heavy because you were being forced to do it because you were out of money. So you had to, even if you enjoyed it, the fact that you were being forced to do it probably felt heavy. Yeah. And yeah, that's that's right. Well, it was a yo-yo. Yeah. It was up and down. Got enough, not enough. Got enough, not enough. But I think and then change looks like that as opposed to transformation. Change often mm. looks like a yo-yo. Mm. It looks like flipping on both sides of one coin. Man, I um, I used to care what people think. Now I don't give a fuck what people think. <laughs> yeah. Right. But we're still kind of in this weird consciousness of we what, people think. what people think. Yeah, <laughs> right. We actually do. Yeah. So that's right. But also, I think the freedom in that transformation helped me not care so much about money. And then, I don't know, care is not the right word, actually. All of a sudden, it wasn't a burden, actually. That's what that transformation felt like. I think like. transformation, too, is it, to that point, is it just evaporates things. Mm. So it, there's, there's no effort in transformation often. Mm. You, you don't have to force yourself to think something different. It's like you get an insight, it opens something up, and then it's like, oh, and that's why often it's very hard to explain to your friends and family what you've been through mm. when you go through one of these journeys and you transform and you see life completely different and you're trying to explain it to them, but they're going, well, how did you do it? Like, how did you, what did you say? What did you do? What, what, what? And mm. you're going, I don't know. I just got this insight and then I just saw the world differently. Yeah. It's hard to explain. Yeah, exactly. And I would have, com- I haven't thought about this since that time until mm. just now that we're talking about it. Yeah. So that's transformation in that area. Yeah, I, I um I have some good ones. Well, I have a lot around money actually. I had the same yo yo thing, which is like as I felt the um the bank account drop, I felt a lot of stress, panic, mm. gotta make money. And working with my coach around it, he said the stress and the panic you feel when you run out of money has a lot of information in it. Mm. Like if you can tune in and actually find out what it is and it was completely unexpected. Once I sat with him and talked about it, I realized I felt trapped. I value freedom over everything. Like I love freedom, freedom to do my own thing, freedom mm. to have my own time, freedom to travel, freedom to go around the world. Mm. And when I ha- ran out of money, it felt like someone was like strangling me and they, I, I couldn't, I wasn't able to travel if I had no money. I can't. I can't just get up and leave if I don't like a place. Um, I can't go and create experiences that cost money. So I felt this deep sense of being trapped. Um, And when I felt into that and when I looked at that, I was like, wow, that's so interesting. What does money have to do with being trapped, really? Mm. It was almost like an assumption, a belief that I just believed. But when I realized I'm free whether I have money or not, because if you don't have money, I can create experiences anywhere that don't cost money. Mm. I can create love. I can create connection. So, yeah, that was a, that was a huge insight for me. That didn't transform me in that moment. Mm. That was one that took ages. Mm. So that was one that it's like, oh, I had to keep looking at the pattern and keep feeling the trapped feeling when it came up when I looked at my bank account, and then slowly recreate a new paradigm a new consciousness, transform the way I experienced money. And what it also ended up for me was exactly the same as you. I get to just do what I love, spend time in the moment. I'm not trapped. There's nowhere to run to. I don't need to run away. Mm. Um, And that's been transformative. Mm. So there's two ways, yeah. can happen kind of quickly. 
can be in an instant. Or, yeah, or it can be um, over time. I mm. like that. Yeah, totally. Mm. Well, let's talk one. Because you touched on there about doing something that you love as well, which I think is really important. And possibly a lot of people don't do that for the fear of the lack of money. Yeah. You know, how that's going to impact. totally. Jason and Nathan. The um, quote I think of a lot with this is Kyle Cease, who's a guy I, I really respect. And he said, who made the money in your life? In your entire life, who made the money for you? Good question. Well, you did, right? Yeah. Every dollar you've made, you were the one that created it. Mm. <laughs> so he said, don't fall in love with money, fall in love with you. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Mm. Fall in love with your creativity, fall in love with every dollar you've ever made came from something you did. Mm. So that means that you're the one that can create the money at any time. You're the one that has the creativity, the genius, the work ethic, the skills, the talents, the connection. And so if we just work on money, that feels heavy and Mm. we're kind of looking in the wrong place. Mm. But to your point, if we look at, well, what am I good at? What am I better in the world than anybody else? What do I love to do? What could I spend hours doing that um, I would love even if I wasn't getting paid? Mm. And start doing those things, start generating that feeling inside of you of doing what you love. And I'm careful to say that's not a recipe to make money. But oftentimes when we're in that feeling of alignment, joy, Mm. doing what we love, the money does seem to come a little bit easier. Mm. And that can be hidden, that stuff, under um, shame or guilt. If we've told someone we want to be an astronaut when we were a child and they've gone like, don't be ridiculous, you're too stupid to do that. There'd be like a million different ways that people have actually been shamed or guilted out of doing something. Or been shut down. Shut down. And I've seen this actually in some of the coaching I've done where people, they still can't break out of that. Hmm. It's too much for them to to put their neck back out and sort of follow their dream or something that they want to do. Um, I always remember you told me somewhere in the world someone wants to be a John John Travolta impersonator and that's them living their best life and they'd be amazing at it and no doubt they'd make money. Yeah. Um, But it is really, it's that fear of could this really be it? Is this actually what my gift is or what I'm here meant to be doing because it doesn't feel right if you're doing something maybe the complete opposite. So you've really got to break out of that. And I think it can't be under, uh, overstated enough about how uncomfortable it might feel to do what you love yeah. mm. because you're breaking out of the groove, the mold, you're getting mm. uncomfortable. And maybe we mistake that discomfort for I'm doing the wrong thing. Yeah, that's right. Nobody and else is doing this. Yeah. If I miss something. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And also up from Gay Hendricks, The Big Leap, people who – can do something that's in their genius because you've got your zone of uh, competence, zone of excellence, and your zone of genius. A lot of people are actually operating in their zone of genius, but because it comes so easy to them, they don't realize it's a skill. Yeah. They don't realize it's a gift and a talent. What's What would be an example for you? Of me? Yeah, your zone of genius that you don't know. Maybe you can do me and I'll do you. I've got hundreds it's... of them. <laughs> no. Where do I start? <laughs> um. Well, your zone of genius is um, being able to articulate stuff and you have no problem standing up and talking to people, I've noticed. You've done a lot of um, weddings and functions where you get up and you be that person. And do you find that easy? So easy. 
No yes. Yeah. I find... Um, That's a nightmare for most people. Yeah. I find um, connecting with people very easy. Mm. So I find like if I meet any... I feel like I can go anywhere in the world, anyone, gay, straight, whatever, mm. ethnicity, man, woman, and I, I can find connection with people. Mm. And But I didn't... I just thought that was... Um, I've never thought of it as a zone of genius. Mm. Yeah. But it is a superpower. Until you identify it. Mm. Yeah. So that would be me. Uh, what would be your zone of genius? I think uh, one thing... Truck driving. Yeah, driving trucks. <laughs> arm out. Eating pies. Comes so naturally to you. You don't yeah, even know it it's a zone of genius. Yeah. Um, I think for you, it's the ability to have a lot of things going on at one time. And to handle it all hmm. so to have a bunch of balls up in the air hmm. and to just kind of keep it all going and to not ever collapse or break down i think you have a very natural skill hmm. like because most people would if they saw what you did in a, a day or in a week i don't think they'd be able to keep up with it or at least they'd be there'd be a lot of stress and a lot of drama in there hmm. yeah thanks for that I think um, that's taken a while too. I'm not sure that's a natural, it probably is a natural talent. Yeah, I just confirmed my own bias, like I said. Yeah. When we do things, we don't actually understand that that's, a, that's something that's intrinsic to me maybe. which that's is right. And others mm. like me. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I think going into um, doing those things, finding that zone of genius and doing those things, and disrupting the status quo can feel can feel very uncomfortable. Yeah, it's good if you could ask somebody what they think your zone of genius is. Yeah. Because it's hard to see. So that'd be a good um, thing to try if you wanted. Yeah, it's hard to read the label from inside the jar. Mm. It's hard to see who we are from here, from this perspective. Yeah. Yeah, I'll often get my clients to text the five people closest to them and just say, um, hey, what do you think I do better than anybody else? Mm. And they're always amazed at the answers. Mm. And the answers are almost always the same from those five people. Wow. There's almost always a common theme. Yeah. Except yep. I remember one client, one of, their pe- one of the people they messaged just said, oh, you make the best sandwiches in the world. Wow. That did was they, it. I felt they... like they missed the point. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say they started Subway or something. And then, you know, now they're the founder of uh, 4,000 Subway restaurants across North America. And keep dreaming, people. Yeah. Because you two could have a sandwich franchise. Yeah. I think it's beautiful, too, though, when you do find that thing that you're naturally good at. Because it doesn't... That's what I think they're talking about when they say when you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. So when you're doing something that you're just intrinsically good at, it doesn't. It's not a chore. It doesn't come difficult. You really aren't working at that point. Yeah. Mm. What other practices would you give for finding that? I um, I disagree with what you just said. I love that. I think when you there's a quote that I saw that had that part crossed out at the bottom, and it said, "When you do what you love, you kind of end up working all the time." Mm, right yeah (laughs) but it's just another view of it but i think uh that's a common myth as well Mm. is that if i just do what i love it'll kind of everything will kind of feel easy i'll never work a day in my life well it's insinuating there's no work which actually there's always effort there's always things to do 
Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah. What's the, there's a, there's a nuance here. Yeah. It's not just like, um, take the John Travolta guy. Like he's still going to have to practice his craft. He's still going to yes. have to write his scripts. He's still going to have to get hide his, his homosexuality. Yeah. He's <laughs> allegedly. Oh, right. Um, <laughs> he's going to have to, um, book his gigs. He's going to have to push his boundaries. He's going to have to t- tell people there's, you know, yeah, so much to do still. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. And each of those are going to require their own breakthrough yeah. in those different areas. That's right. So if, yeah, if we were to simplify the process, we would say, okay, create a vision, a dream of what you want, mm. find out what you're really good at, what you're natural at, what your zone of genius is, mm. start working towards it. And then you're going to have to have a whole bunch of mini breakthroughs yeah. and all the things that surround it. Yeah. And notice none of, we haven't mentioned money once. No. In that creation process. But that, there might be a breakthrough in money around it again. Yeah. Because um, lots of examples of people that follow the genius, the archetype of the starving artist. Mm. I'm a genius. I'm an amazing artist. I don't have any money. And I can't mm. afford food. So that person can't just ignore money. They are doing what they love and they're mm. really good at it and they're in their zone of genius. And it doesn't feel like work, but they can't afford to eat and they can't afford their rent. Yeah, they've still got to have breakthroughs. That's right. Yeah. Exactly right you're saying. There's got to be some breakthroughs around money. Yeah. So that's the part where I think it's nuanced, where it's like, okay, just find what you love and then you'll never work a day. It's it's a little bit more complicated. Mm. It doesn't mean mm. it's – there's a nuance between it's not hard like working in a shitty job in an office around a mm. bunch of people that you hate in a toxic mm. environment with a shitty manager. That's hard. Yeah, that's hard because now I'm not in my genius. You know, like for me in my work, I gave up a ton of money and I don't earn anywhere near the money I used to make as a pilot. Mm. But it's so irrelevant. It doesn't, it doesn't, I have enough to pay my rent, eat good food, go out to restaurants and then get back to doing what I love. Mm. Yeah, that's the bit that doesn't feel like work is that you're inspired. Yeah. You're inspired to do it. And the other thing I'd suggest, or the the same for me that I've noticed, we've got lots of purposes. We've got lots of things that we love. Get on that train. It doesn't have to be the big one. You don't have to wait for it. Just make a decision, choose something, head for it, because the doors that open up in that direction, you may be three doors down the track that you go, holy shit, this is, oh, there it is. But if you never move, you never... It's another change of consciousness, isn't it? Mm. It's to go... Instead of my consciousness is I need to make enough money to survive because mm. there's not enough money, and so I've got a safe job, and that's that. The consciousness consciousness shift is to go, um, I want to do what I love, and I want to keep trying to find my purpose, and mm. I want to keep going on this adventure to uncover a life that's more and more and more aligned with me. I love and that. as long mm. as I've got enough money to support that, that's okay. I just want to keep un- un- unfurling this path. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, the um, the interesting thing about, for me, because I wasn't doing what I loved, or because I, I wasn't in love with the job, I needed to spend a lot of money to keep me happy. So I needed to spend a lot of money to go on holidays, yeah, and travel, yeah. and go to a nice restaurant. I, need to, I had to generate fun in other ways, yeah. because I wasn't loving what I did. Whereas now, because I love what I do, I still need money to live. 
but it's not, I don't need money to get me out of the feeling of being trapped. Yeah, it's a big thing. Mm. It's a big difference. Love that. All right, well, let's look at the question of the week. And don't forget, we've got our new Facebook group. If you go to the link in the show notes, whatever app you're using to, to watch this, listen to this podcast, you can click on that, go to our Facebook group, and hopefully you can ask a question and we'd love to share it. Yeah. Anonymously, of course, on we would the podcast. Yeah. So uh, our question uh, this week comes from Sleepless in Seattle. And Sleepless <laughs> says, what are your beliefs around self-worth and how that affects your level of success, abundance, and the overall quality of your life? Oh, that's a good one. For me, um, that was actually a journey as well. So on you know, trying to make money, trying to have business work out, doing all that work, but still running, like still not feeling good enough coming from that um, scarcity mindset, needing to get somewhere to have it all work out. And when I discovered um, worthiness through um, coaches that I was using, one in particular at the time, Tony, um, I realised that the, there's the, the journey has sound cliche actually, but the journey is way more important than the destination. And then if I was going to enjoy the journey, I actually had to enjoy myself. I had to start. And I call it, if it's worthiness from sleepless, but I call it uh, self-love. And my journey to self-love was through affirmations and I, I am statements. At night, before I fell asleep, I'd say, I am this, I am love, I am compassion, I am empathy, I am all these things. And that made me, actually had me start loving myself, which meant it didn't, it wasn't so important what was happening out in the world. I don't know if that makes sense, but it was all internal. Mm. So for me, it was huge. Mm. I, I support, I was my own support system, if that makes sense. Yeah. You became your own biggest supporter. Yeah. Not as a raving fan, but just knowing that. I was doing something I loved. It was it was worthy. I'm worthy. It's huge. To answer the question, I think it's massive on that journey rather than coming from scarcity and not good enough. I don't meet many people that feel worthy. Yeah, that's like I right. think there's a lot of unworthiness. Yeah, I think it's an epidemic of unworthiness. Absolutely. And the way I see it is. Um, I can look at it in lots of different contexts. I think dating is is probably one of the biggest ones. Mm. Feeling worthy of love, feeling worthy of um, being with someone really special mm. that loves you, treats you like a queen, treats you like a king. Mm. Um, if we look at people that stay in relationships that are unhealthy, toxic, shitty, or just kind of indifferent, there's usually some feeling of unworthiness that they mm. don't feel worth anything better Mm. if i look at it for business uh when i was working as a coach you know feeling worthy of people paying me money so that's the first business i'd had where people paid me for me Mm. so if you want to see how much worthiness you have (laughs) get someone to pay you just for being you Mm. that is really triggering Mm. and so that was when i had to really have a breakthrough there and go you know what it, I actually am worthy. I'm worthy of you paying me to spend time with me. I've done all this work on myself. Uh, I'm good at what I do. I'm present, great listener. Um, 
I'm worth you paying me to spend time with me. And that was a huge breakthrough, mm. probably ongoing. Every time you put your price up, you got to check in. Oh, am I worthy with that? Am I worthy of that amount? Yeah, what process did you use for that? Or did you? Good question. Uh, I don't remember, but I think it'll be, you know, working with my coach. And it's pretty easy if I said to you, um, go out and try and sell something of yours for hundred bucks, thousand mm. bucks, mm. thirty thousand dollars. What comes up, and then just notice all the reasons that come up why you're not worth that, why not, why people shouldn't pay you that. Yeah, it's a number one problem in most businesses. I reckon actually. it is. Um, having the price that you're worth. Yeah, but even you know it's in the name. And one we've touched on with you, and I said a lot of entrepreneurs I work with is they feel like they're not worthy of having time off they're not worthy of uh you know for a business owner an entrepreneur to go to that next level in their business mm. there's a point where they have to get out of the business mm. they say stop working in the business and start working on the business but they don't want to be seen as lazy mm. or they don't want to be seen like um they're making everyone do the work for them and so they don't feel like they're worthy of stepping back having more time off letting the business run on its own so they can have more freedom, which is ultimately why everyone started their business in yeah, the first place. That's but it's so hard to create that because of that unworthiness that sits underneath it. Yeah, absolutely. We'd need another whole podcast for that because it's a really good point. I mean, it took me years, literally years, of extracting myself out of that guilt and shame of, you know, not working hard, what are you doing, you know, not you don't work a day in your life sort of thing if you change, if you do something different. Mm. It's that judgment, but it's fine for people to judge. It's how I received the judgment that was so important. That's I right. I really felt it. Well, if I you've got that guilty. unworthiness underneath mm. it, if someone calls you out on it, boom, yeah. that unworthy, unworthiness gets triggered. But if you find a way to go, you know what, I've built this business, I'm the one that's taken all the risk, mm. I've worked really hard, I actually want to take it to the next level, so I'm going to have to be out of the business, I feel worthy of doing that. If someone then comes and goes, geez, you're a bit lazy, mate, you know, you, everyone's pulling their weight, what are you doing? Mm. You go, well, that's your opinion. You know, I'm, I'm trying to grow this business to the next level so I can hire another 10 of you. Yeah. Yeah, it's I call not it triggering. The, the, yeah, it's the, the triggering's the not worthy button. Yeah, and I've always, I've well, not always, but recently in the last few years, I've called it the not worthy button. When people do judge or do something to me, it goes straight down, doom, mm. and it hits the button. It's like, Ugh. oh, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah, as soon as that button is triggered, which we could do a whole podcast on that as well, Nath. But um, write it down. I believe everyone's got a not not worthy button, so we protect that. We don't want that. Get, we don't want it to be exposed or to someone to actually get their finger on it and push it. So next week we're going to look at triggers and we're going to look at the non-worthy button and what you can do to heal it. Mm, love it. So thanks, guys. Thanks for uh, listening. I hope you have a phenomenal weekend. Mm, thanks for the questions too. Keep them coming. Yeah, keep the questions coming. Excited to answer questions next week. That was the Transformation Bros with Jason and Nathan. 